This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's good, everyone? Alex Terrace here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And with me, it's my buddy, my pal, the man with the plan, the one and only. I'm getting a little stumbled over here, John. <laughs> the one and only, John Malika. Before we ask John how he's doing today, guys, you know what it is. And ladies, everyone out there, if you listen to this podcast and you're not subscribed already, please make sure to do so. We're on all audio listening platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. If you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to give us that five-star rating. And if you listen to us on Apple, please make sure to leave a comment that just helps. We're also on YouTube. Type in Nick's comma Jets comma ETC period. No one writes out, et cetera. That's just wild. All right. Make sure to subscribe. Hit that notification bell. That way you know when a new episode drops. And when you watch a video, hit the like button, leave a comment, add to the conversation. Please make sure to add to the conversation. You guys have been doing a great job. That Berman video still keeps going. Y'all really love Berman. I love it. And y'all really got some opinions about this team and me undervaluing this team. I see you, Frank Brown. Don't worry. I like your comments. Don't worry. I'm getting back to you. It's just been a while. And while you're over there, we got another podcast, Winning Picks Weekly. John, video producer Greg, and our guy, Chip Murphy. They got, these guys have been going down everything. MLB, NBA. They're going to be doing NFL when that comes around because Chip missed out last season. I'm sure they're going to be doing hockey a little bit. I don't even know. They might even touch on hockey because you got hockey playoffs coming around. If you need to place a bet down, these guys got you covered. Make sure to do so responsibly, but make sure to check them out. Winning picks weekly. And then last and certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. You name it. We are there. John, my guy. So, man. It's been a while, man. We're down to two weeks. For everyone that doesn't know, we're, we're now down to two weeks. No Jets, no Knicks seasons. We're not doing three times a week. When we get back to that, we'll be doing it. But, my man, how you been? It's been a while. Happy Easter. We had Happy our Orthodox Easter last weekend. Happy unlike Easter. you, uh, unlike me, I celebrate too. I got to celebrate for the Jamaicans. I got to celebrate for the Greeks. So, you know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel you, man. It's It's been a hell of a week. Uh, we did slow down because the Knicks season's over. NBA playoffs is hot, though. Definitely check out Winning Picks Weekly mm-hmm. for that. Things have been really back and forth there, but you know, Chip has been all over it. Greg and I, uh, we're re- we're reeling back over here. I think we've been doing okay, but this interesting stuff going on in round two. We got the Jets draft coming up. Definitely check out the new Jets episodes. I'm sure an emergency podcast will be coming. Lots of wide receiver talk. Lots of crazy nonsense. Smoke screens going on. The fourth pick, tenth pick. It'll be. It's going to be a, a fun and interesting week there. But dude, when it comes to the Knicks, it. It literally is never down season. Even if we're not in the playoffs, there's always things going on right now. I feel like every playoff series, even the announcers are mentioning the Knicks, right? We got the Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell talk. We got everything. Randall showing up to games, dude. There's just never a downtime for being a Knicks and a Jazz. Worldwide West uh, sitting sideline at the Utah Jazz and uh, Mavericks game. You don't know if it's for Donovan Mitchell, for Jalen Brunson. Who, Who knows? Who knows? It could be for Danny Ainge because he was so pissed. So whatever it is, I'm okay with it. Uh, but you know what, man? It feels like a new start for all our teams. And you mentioned the playoffs. The Rangers over here about to make the playoffs, trying to get some Rangers playoffs games, smell some playoff stuff in, the, in Madison Square Garden. 
I'm I'm doing all right right now. Spring coming out. Life is good out here. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right, man. Uh, you know, like you celebrate Easter. You know, watching these good playoff games. Uh, seems like Knicks fans are are up in a tizzy because they don't know who to root for, whether it's the Celtics <laughs> or the Nets. How about this? Don't root for anybody. Hope for both these teams <laughs> to lose. But let the Nets get the first round exit. That's more of a catastrophe than the Celtics with the first round exit. So let's go that direction. That's all I'm gonna say. Go Scott that Foster's direction. Roughing today, as we speak, Scott. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with that one. Scott <laughs> Foster is going to ruin everything. He's going to ruin my agenda. He's going to ruin this sweep agenda, and I'm going to hate it. But yo, I don't want to hold this guy off. I don't want to hold. I don't want to hold our special guest off to the side any longer. We got a wonderful guest, guys. If you you know, we're we're heavy on Twitter, but guess what? There are also other social media outlets out there. We got LinkedIn, as you said, TikTok's big, and we got a wonderful guest with us today. He's kind of in our sphere as being in it. Being an attorney, but he left the attorney role. We got a wonderful guest. His name is Alex Sue. You can go find him on TikTok as Legal Tech Bro. All right. He mm-hmm. is the, let me get this straight. He is now, cause he left the legal game. John, he left the legal game. He is the head of community development at Ironclad Inc. Mr. Alex Sue, how are you doing today, my man? How are you feeling? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show and for that introduction. Oh, of course, man. You know, and for, for the listeners out there, they're probably wondering, why are you guys going in this direction? You know, because our guys are, most of our listeners are probably on Twitter. And well, let me tell you, Alex Sue here is a Knicks fan. If you go check out his TikTok videos, you'll see him wearing a Yankees cap, wearing a Knicks cap. He may be out on LA, but like anything, Knicks fans and Yankees fans, we're all over the place. So we got Alex Sue on to talk about Knicks, see, get, uh, get, get some history about his fandom, learn about his career path. So. Yeah, Alex. Let's let's start off with that. Let's start off with your Knicks history. How did it all start, man? You know, like I know you're living out in California right now. Uh, what, what's the, what's the vibe, man? What what what's going on? Are you still? How did it all happen? <laughs> well, I live in California now, and you know my my career has taken me all the way out here to to the West Coast. But I'm a New York guy. I grew up in in Queens and Long Island, and when I was 10 years old, I started following basketball and. I, I would watch, uh, the local team, the Knicks, and I was like, oh, I don't know much about sports. You know, my family, you know, we're immigrants. They didn't really follow sports. So I was like, all right, I want to see what this is all about. So I started watching the games and it was like incredible. The Knicks were killing it. Uh, that first year I watched, they went all the way to the NBA finals. And I was like, you know, every round I would, root, I would root for them and they would win and they would pull it off. And so it got, they got all the way to the finals. And uh, they lost to the Rockets, as we all know, in 94 in game, you know, in seven games. But I thought this is the team for me. I love basketball. I love playing basketball. I love following basketball. This is the team for me. And and ever since then, I've been a lifelong Knicks fan, although uh, I, I don't think we've ever come anywhere near as close. I think there were a couple of times like, you know, in 99, we went to the finals, uh, lost the Spurs. But but yeah, it's been it's been a quite a journey. And, you know, I've you know, ever since I turned 18, I moved out of the house. I. I lived all over the U.S. and I feel like my Knicks, uh, you know, being a fan of the Knicks keeps me grounded, keeps me tied to the community I grew up in, uh, back in Queens and Long Island. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I follow the Knicks in some years. I, I get really into it when the Knicks are doing well, when things aren't going well. I kind of take a little step back. So, so, uh, I love watching NBA basketball, but, but obviously I will always, always root for the Knicks, uh, no matter what. That's probably how you keep a healthy lifestyle, man. Because if you ask our fans, if you ask us, like day in and day out with these New York Knicks, man, it does it, <laughs> things to, your, to not only your mental health, your physical health. Like I, I know Alex is sometimes looking at me like, dude, your blood pressure right now, <laughs> like just chill out. Game <laughs> thirty-seven, <laughs> like just take it easy. 
But that's good, man. You know, spe- speaking of the, these 94 Knicks, we just broke a record that, that, that was, that was uh, broken around there by our boy John Starks, right? We had Evan Fournier break the three-point record this year. But just all in vain, dude, all in vain. Even if we have, you know, good memories, it's, it's just all overshadowed by, you know, the stigma of these New York Knicks. And my question to you is, I, I, I know you said 94. I know you mentioned 2000. But what about what about the in the last I don't know twenty years? Like what what has kept you to this franchise? Because honestly, man, like you you said, your dad, you know, you you came from an immigrant family. I came from immigrant immigrant family. My grandpa, you know, came here, worked in the states for like thirty years. My dad's been here, and they love sports. And all they know, and their favorite joke to make is. In my 30 years, 40 years of being here, I've never seen the Knicks win a game. Like that, that's their favorite, you know, their favorite statement. <laughs> like, I've never even seen them win a game. So what kept you here, man? You're, you went to LA. Like you had the Lakers, you know, kind of the quasi new sports town, right? LA, Boston, unfortunately. Like what kept you connected to the orange and blue? I, I think it's a couple of things. I think there was an emotional connection with the team. And, you know, I can tell you like between the time I was 10 and, you know, when I left my house and, when I was 18, like I followed every, every game. Uh, you know, I listened to, I listened to the WFAN because my, my parents didn't get cable, let me have cable, cable TV. So I would listen to Mike Breen, um, <laughs> you know, right. On, and I would listen to West Coast games in my room, you know, at 1030, uh, Eastern. And so I, I would just, I was just so obsessed in, in those years. And I remember my parents said the same thing. They would always watch me loyally dedicated, listening to the radio, watching NBA on NBC. Like they're like, why are you? following this team this team never wins like the knicks they never win like why why are you doing this to yourself I, never to had life, any, <laughs> I, I know I, I that's when you said that it's so relatable because i i couldn't really answer it i don't, I don't really know but there was some <laughs> emotional connection plus the fact that i think in those 90s you know we came pretty close a couple of times and, and you know we did pretty we did generally pretty well i think what happened after i left you know when i when i went off to college in 2001 um, I lost touch with the Knicks a bit and, you know, I don't know how, you know, they, they didn't do well some years, but, but I feel like there was always this, this part of being a Knicks fan that kept me close to the New York community that, you know, when I met my, my, my wife, um, we were living in Chicago. Uh, she would say to me, you know, she's not a huge sports fan. And she's like, why do you like this team? They're not the same people as when you were growing up with them. And I, I'd be like, it's, it's deeper than that. It's, it's, it's the Knicks. Like it's an institution that draws us all together. And even when um, uh, the Nets move over to Brooklyn, you know, I got some questions from some people. I don't know if, if, if you all got questions like this, but it was like, Hey, are you going to, you're going to be like uh, a Brooklyn fan now? Like that, that's allowed now. I'm like, no, that's not allowed. You know, I, I can't do that. And, you know, I live in, I lived in San Francisco for about seven years. And, you know, the, that's right when the Warriors started doing well, people ask me the same question. Like, you know, why don't you just follow the Warriors? I just, I just couldn't do it. I just can't do it. It's, it's, I can't explain really why. It defies it, rationality, I guess. I mean, hey, look. They're, they're division rivals. I, I know I know the proximity is there. I know we are in the same state, in the same city, technically, right, within the five boroughs. But, dude, they're, they're a division rival. I, I, to me, it drives me nuts when people are like, oh, why don't you hop on the Brooklyn bandwagon? They're right there. So it's like asking a New York Islanders fan to be a New York Rangers fan. Like, it, makes, it just makes no sense. Uh, it drives me nuts. <laughs> But I totally feel you with like moving and then asking like to root for another team. Cause I moved from New York to Boston because I went to law school out mm-hmm. here and I got my job out here. And I, I always rock my New York gear, whether it's Jets, Knicks, Yankees, whatever. I'm not afraid to do so. 
And people were like, why are you just root? You, you know, you're in Celtics territory. You know, why are you just root yeah. for Boston? I'm like, I will never root for Boston. I, I cannot do that. Like, I love basketball. I can appreciate good basketball. Like, I can appreciate teams like what they did, but I will never root for a Boston team. Come on, especially like New York, Boston. That's just ridiculous. That's just unheard of. Yeah. Um, and my wife, and my wife's from Boston. Like, so she's like, <laughs> you know, she's like, well, you know, we had KG, we had Paul Pierce. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Like, yeah, I struggled. I got, you know, I had to deal with Stephon Marbury. You know, I had Nate Robinson. I had all these guys. All right. David Wynn yeah. was what you thought was the second coming of a, of a power forward, but it's all good. We all thought Stoudemire was going to do it. Look, John and I are still dying off of Stoudemire hitting that three pointer mm. that should have counted. So that's another that's, story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bad I remember that shot. Yeah. Bad memories. Everyone remembers that shot. I still die for this day for that shot. I needed it. I needed it. I need it right in K. Come on, right in KG's face. I needed it. And then but, a bunch of fire yeah, man, so, for sure. You know. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> but you know, it wasn't all bad. You know, we had some recent success with uh with the mellow years and, and even before then. But Alex, what were some of, like your favorite times like being a Knicks fan? Because like it had there hasn't been that many. Like obviously the nineties was like. The, the gamut for most most fans. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, Ewing, Starks, uh, Oakley, you know, you had uh you had X Man, you know, you had all these guys on the team. Um, you name it. And from there it's just been kinda, you know, we had some cool players. Like I like Jamal Crawford. Like I, I find him entertaining. Uh yeah. Well when he was in the league. But what 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 were your favorite time periods like Throughout your Knicks fandom so far, because it's been bad until like last season. But what were some of your favorite times? <laughs> I'll tell you the, the time that stands out to me the most is, uh, you know, Linsanity. Uh, I think for many of us, especially those of us Asian American, uh, it was a big movement and mm. just to see him do well on the Knicks. I mean, as a, as a, you know, as an Asian kid from New York, like it was, it, it was like a, a dream come true. And I remember when I was, uh, when this, when, when Linsanity took place, you know, it's probably been 10 years now. Um, I had just graduated from law school. I was clerking for a judge. My judge was also uh, an Asian guy from Queens. Uh, you know, we would every morning, you know, catch up and, and talk about J- this kid, Jeremy Lin on the Knicks, like <laughs> doing well. And, and you know, in the very beginning, I don't know if you remember, there was like a Celtics game or something. I, I don't know exactly what game it was, but it was before Linsanity, before that big breakout game against the Nets, it was, it was almost like it was, he was coming. And so we would talk about it, be like, oh, this, 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 uh, this kid's doing well. And, and then as it took off, I mean, it just like, it captivated the entire like country, you know, and captivated all of Nick's fandom. You know, I remember while it was happening, um, I think they came to town to Chicago because I was in, I was clerking in Chicago. I went to law school in Chicago. Um, and I went to a game and, and, you know, that was a really interesting experience because I had been to the garden before. Um, I had never been to a Knicks game on the road. And, and that was, that was a really interesting experience. Mm. You know, even though everyone was really rooting for, for Jeremy Lin, I mean, I was, I was straight in Bulls territory mm. at the United Center. So that was a really cool experience. Um, you know, cheering loudly for the Knicks. I'm not even sure if we won that. I think we might've lost that game, but, um, you know, what, what Jeremy Lin did. And, and, you know, I think that, that part of, um, the Knicks history would, would, would always sticks with me. And then, you know, over the, you know, intervening years, you know, I know that, you know, Melo's done well and, you know, helped out, helped the team out a lot. Um, I, I just, I, 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 I fall in and out with, with the, the fandom because, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, they, they still follow. I kind of like, whenever things aren't going well, I kind of like shrink back. It's so healthy. That's healthy. It's been, Don't yeah, worry. It's, it's been good a, for your health. <laughs> I, I, yeah. And, and, you know, I think last year I was excited because, you know, I had stepped back for a bit, but then I saw the Knicks made the playoffs. 
but then you know Trey Young and you know the Hawks. I mean, we couldn't. You know, it was it was a tough it was a tough break. So um, you know, this year I think I'm still on my pause, but um, you know, I, I think the the hope will, will, be, will, will last forever. And you know, I'll be. I'm not gonna. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still gonna continue being a Knicks fan for the next ten. 2050, however long. No, and, and John, as John said, like as our listeners, like our listeners are, you know, diehards. Like they're really, yeah. really, really like okay. we all like we were in there, locked all 82, and so it's healthy. It's healthy that you step <laughs> you step back because my wife will look at me and she's like, "What are you doing? Did they lose? Were they up 20?" And I was like, "Yeah, they were up 20." And they're like, "How did they lose?" And I'm like, "I don't want to get into this right now." I got to get on Knicks fan TV. This is ridiculous. <laughs> That's so, so but it is. And for the diehards, man, I just looked up the box score for that Knicks-Bulls game. The Knicks were up 104.99. But, dude, I got I got to just say the rosters real quick. We had Mike Bibby. We had Baron Davis on Whoa. this one. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. That was back in the day against, of course, Joakim Noah. D. Rose dropped 32 on our heads. Uh, yeah. Ronnie Brewer even got some minutes. Man, good times. Taj Gibson dropping 15 and 13 on us. Double-double. Damn. Uh, those and who was the time. coach then? Who was the coach then? <laughs> <laughs> Some guy Who's... named Tom. Some guy named Tom. Some guy. Familiar names, man. Familiar names. <laughs> and now we got some of those guys on our team. Look at look at how the times change, especially for Derrick Rose with the second stint. But that man, like, I feel you on that. And for Win Sanity, Win Sanity was just a great. I mean, I was hyped with Win Sanity. Not only was like, not only were we talking about a demographic that. It hasn't really been represented in the NBA at all, but it was just not only was that like a story, but like he brought like a lot of hope for like everybody nationwide. And that was yeah. just, that was the, that was the most captivating thing possible. I will never forget watching him against the Nets and take Deron Williams down. I was like, yes, let's go. Him <laughs> showing up against Kobe. I was like, yes, let's go. And then the Raptors game winner, like that, yeah. that two week stretch. And it was, not only was it Jeremy Lin, not only was it like the, the thought of like Knicks fans, like, do we have a point guard solution? Cause we haven't had that answer in like God knows when, but it was also the fact that it was like team basketball guys coming together and really just putting the city on their back for like, for like a good, good stint until Miami uh, came along. And then these guys, and then LeBron D way was just like, ah, we're going to stop this right now. We're going to make sure, uh, this, this guy doesn't have too much fun, but uh, that was a great time period. I just remember like everyone had that TV on. Everyone had that TV. Mm-hmm. But you know, you talked about law school and being out in Chicago and, and I and I can relate about that. So let's let's get into like your legal career. Yeah. So you went to you went to Northwestern. How how did that was that like your top choice? Did you want to go out to Chicago? It was like Chicago the place you wanted to be? Oh well, talk walk us through that. It, it wasn't, to be honest with you. I, I went to the best school I got into. Uh, mm-hmm. I had it gotten in my mind. I was like, I want to get a big a big firm job. I want to have a, a very set career path, like where I would maybe be a federal prosecutor. I had, I had these dreams of like achieving all of these things. And that's what took me away from New York. You know, I, I went and I, you know, I, I went to, I went to law school in Chicago where I really didn't know anyone. And so um, I did well in school, but, but I think along the way, you know, I got, I got my dream job. I got a job. I only looked in New York for, for firm jobs and um, I got a job at a big firm and immediately I could tell it was like the wrong career path for me. Like I, 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 my, my first week I went in and I was like, everything we do here is stupid. Like everything is like, makes very no familiar. sense. I'm not, I, this is very familiar. <laughs> like, like, all my peers, all my friends, this is a very familiar story. I, I, I think so. And I, I didn't realize how, how, how common of a story was at the time. I thought it was just me. So I was like, I'm going to suck it up. 
I, you know, I'm living the dream here, you know, you know, at, at this job, I'm going to keep doing, it. I'm a lawyer now, I'm going to be a lawyer. So, um, I actually, during my 3L year, I was like, I had, I was like really close. I was like, I think I don't want this job. I'm going to apply and try to be a work at the Manhattan DA. And so I went through that process, but I actually, you know, didn't get the job. And like my whole, like, like I was like, I was, I, I was trying to like do something different, but, but I couldn't somehow, I couldn't make it work. So I was like, I'm going to go to the big firm. Um, and that's when, um, you know, I started dating this girl in my, my 3L year. Uh, she, she had to be in Chicago. She was in med school at the time. And, and so, um, I never expected it, but I went, actually went back to New York to, to start at the firm. An opening came up with the judge, uh, who I had mentioned earlier. This judge was looking for a law clerk. And so I was able to kind of, um, I was able to, to quit my, my firm job and go work for the judge, uh, in Chicago for, for two years. Um, while my wife, my, my girlfriend at the time, but now my now wife, uh, was still in school, you know, there's this common pattern in my life. I just keep on doing these weird things in different places. And, I, and that's what's taken me to California and, you know, away from, from New York, which is probably why I, I, I hold on to my, my Knicks fandom so, so tightly. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I ended up in Chicago. I ended up living in Chicago for a few more years. And then that's when we kind of, um, you know, you know, after my clerkship, I went back to New York. I, I, I I worked at the firm for two years and I was like, I can't do this anymore. My wife had gotten a residency in California and I was like, you know what? I'm going to quit this job. I'm going to go to California and I'm going to just, you know, figure it out there. And so by, by leaving, I had to like start over in a sense because I needed to retake the bar. I needed to find a job. And, you know, this is in what was in 2014. Um, the job I found didn't work out. And like, I was kind of like trying to figure out. So I, and then I started my own solo practice. So by, my first six years of my um, post law school years was like, I was trying to figure stuff out. I was moving all over the place. I was trying to jump on any opportunity I could. And I realized like the path I drew out for myself didn't work. And that's when I kind of fell into legal tech because at the Bay area at the time, there, you know, the startup scene was kind of emer- starting to emerge. Um, there were no real startups serving legal except for a handful of them. And I applied for a sales job because I was like, Hey, if I could work with people and I could pitch them, you know, speak the law- lawyer language and, and you're convinced mm-hmm. to buy technology, maybe I can find a place there. And I never imagined like you know, I would do that for five years at two different startups. And so I, I was a salesperson for legal tech for, for five years. Um, you know, and, and by the time I was, you know, doing that and getting good at that, I started to do things like use social media to market myself, to get deals, to, to sell technology to lawyers. That brought me to LinkedIn, to Twitter, to, to TikTok. And then it wasn't long before. Um, Ironclad, which is, you know, one of the bigger players in legal tech because legal tech had grown up by then. Um, but this is in 2021. Legal tech had gotten big by then. Uh, one of the biggest players in legal tech said, Hey, we like what you're doing, uh, on social media. Why don't you join us and do this community thing? Um, it's a community, fun- a head of community development job. Um, just making social media content, you know, engaging with the community, hosting events, just doing very like, um, fun things almost. And, and it's like, it's like a, a career path I never expected, but, um, that's somehow my job now. Dude, who, you took this, you took a second bar exam and then well, went into sales. I, I, yeah. Thank you. Hold on. Oh my God. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. John, John, it's not just that he took any bars. He took the New York state bar exam <laughs> and the California bar exam. That's <laughs> insanity. Went, well, that's torture. 
I gotta I know, know more. I gotta know more. I gotta know more. So, so, so here's what you yeah, yeah here's what you know about me, right? So I'm I I, I torture myself with bar exams and <laughs> I torture myself as a Knicks fan. I'm not sure what else there is, but you see this theme in my life. I just like to do things the hard way. <laughs> Can we offer you uh, becoming a Jets fan? Because <laughs> that's right on path. Yes, for sure. <laughs> oh man, it's. I, you know, I, I didn't expect this to turn out this way. And I actually do this thing where I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't think about the past too much because I feel like if you dwell on it, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, when I was going through the, the California bar exam, I did have that thought. I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, why am I doing this all over again? I took the New York bar exam that I got to do in California. Um, and it's like a whole, like in California at the time, it was like three days long. Uh, and so I was doing all these things just to make sure my career worked. And, and that's why I, I, when I think back to it, it, it was so different being a, a normal, having a normal practicing lawyer job than, than legal tech, because in tech, you don't need a license. Um, if you're good at what you do, um, opportunities will arise. And, and that's what happened to me. Like I was able to, I started from the, when I joined legal tech, I started from the very bottom. I was an entry level salesperson. I went from like being a sixth year lawyer to like cold calling, you know, like lawyers who had graduated law school after me and, and being like, Hey, do you want to see a product demo of our, our software? It was very humbling. Like it was a very humbling experience. I was going to say, so was that like a pride? Like what did that do to your pride? Because I know, you know, we had, you know, Alex and I were attorneys, right? Mm-hmm. And we're doing, we're doing this podcasting. We're quote unquote bloggers, right? Which is, you know, on the, on the lowest of the totem pole, right? If you, if you ask, you know, uh, a random person, Hey, you're just a blogger. You know, why would you do that? Why are you wasting your time? You know, if you're an attorney, like, what, I want to know how you were able to overcome that pride stuff because, you know, you mentioned, you know, you were dating the same girl that you married. You mentioned coming from an immigrant family that makes fun of you for watching the Knicks. Yeah. Right? I, feel, I feel like we could relate here. And I, I just want to know, you know, as a person for you, right, because everyone has a different experience. But how were you able to just, you know, kind of pick yourself up by the bootstraps and say, I, I know I have it two, you know, of the hardest bar exams, you know, in the nation, maybe in the world. I know that this is not what I want to do. And I know that everybody in my family is going to receive this terribly wrong, but you still went for your dream, right? You still, you know, look where you are now. Like, what what was that transition like for you? I mean, it was a process. Uh, It didn't happen overnight. And, you know, when I first started out, like I said, I I knew I had a hunch that the, the traditional law practice of law wasn't for me. And I still stuck with it. Um, and you know, I think what looks like courage and strategic vision now looking backwards, um, at the time I went from failure to failure. So what happened was I, I struggled at the big firm. It wasn't a good fit for me. I did okay at the job, but I was like, all right, moving to California. When I went to that small firm, I did not do well. Like I was not a great, uh, employee. Like, and I got, they, they, I got, I got fired. They were like, all right, we need you to leave because this isn't working out. And, you know, I've, I've shared about this publicly because I think it's important to talk about a lot of times, like people make pivots out of like strategic decisions. But like, I think most people make changes when, when you run into a wall, you kind of like got to pick yourself up. Um, and so I got let go from the job and I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to become my own boss. I'm going to start my own business. I want to do that. And so I did that for a year and that didn't work out. So like, you know, you know, the six years I spent practicing law, like, a third of that time or even half that time was spent like figuring out how to get past the bar, like this California bar exam, like struggling at this new job that didn't work out. Uh, you know, trying to build a business that didn't work out. Like I was trying to, I was, I messed up a lot. And I think that is the part where, where people get really caught up where they're, they don't want to put themselves out there. 
to where they could mess up. Like a lot of lawyers are, are, are struck by this. Like, what if I fail? What if I mess up? And they get worried. But, but by doing that, I almost like I shed the psychological baggage of like, oh, I, I had this JD and I have to use it. I was like, All right, I'm going to do anything right now. Like what else is out there? And that clearing of like all that, all these thoughts I had about pride and all that, like clearing that out, it let me basically pick a growing market where I actually was good at, naturally good at, like I ended up being very good at sales. Like, and if you think about like the type of person who's good at sales, typically isn't the type of person who's good at law. Like there's like a yeah. complimentary uh, skill set. So like by getting into tech early, I think I rode a wave. Um, and so it's not you know strategy so much. It is like kind of like picking yourself up and dealing with setbacks and then trying different things. So I think that's what uh, ended up, ended up helping me. And then when I got in, I saw like where things were developing. I saw the power of content. I saw media, I saw social media. And so I was able to every step of the way kind of position myself um, to the point where I joined TikTok, like relatively early. Not super early, but like earlier than most lawyers and, and kind of I got ahead of the curve. So I've been very lucky in that way. I'm not going to pretend like I had some grand vision. I really just messed up again and again and just kind of like found something that worked. But that's like, see, you talked about like the, the process of failure, right? And I feel like that's been ingrained. And I feel like, John, I, you, can, you let me know, but like going to law school, that is the biggest thing is failure because that's the one that it's like they have you in that room. It's like, look to your left, look to your right. You know, some of you aren't going to be here after your first year. And it's like, oh, that's failure. Like I, I and you're it's an investment. You know, like you go going to law school is is a big investment and you don't want to fail at it. And then afterwards, and especially since I feel like in law school, like sure you may do your study groups, but you don't know everyone else's thoughts. It's not like math where it's like, oh, you can all get to the same answer. Like, how do you write this? How do you come to your conclusion? How do you do your analysis? You know, why do you see everything? And then sometimes people give you a different, totally different analysis and it may not even be the right answer, but the professor loves the analysis and they'll give you that, that good grade that you're looking for. So how were you able to like shed just like that failure? Pro- like, I know you said it right now, like by falling into it, but like, did you find that to be hard? Like shedding that failure f- fear? Because I feel like for most attorneys, that's like, that is a wall that's just very hard to like break through. Yeah. I, I and it's a muscle you build over time. I think in the beginning, like, I mean, you know, I, I did encounter failure, but I also did a lot of side experiments or, you know, side things when I was working in law so that when I did make the jump, I had some hunches like, like what, <clears throat> why did I choose like sales in the first place? I chose sales because when I was practicing, like I would, I worked on political campaigns and I would do cold calls. And I, I, I found that, you know, it was a small way. Like I, I, I if I, if I had failed at a side job, it wouldn't hurt my career. I could try these different things. And I think a lot of lawyers also don't try things. That's why I love like what you're doing. Like you're, you're doing this, this podcast, you're doing a lot of things on the side. That is the way to go because that's, then you learn about yourself. You learn about where you fit into the world. And, and that's where I, where I learned I could be good at sales. Like when I went into legal tech sales, it was not kind of like I picked something out of the hat. I was like, okay, I pick legal tech because I had this other experience encountering like trying something different that had a risk of failure, but I did well at it. I'm going to take this information about myself and use it. I'm going to go into sales. Why would I choose legal tech? It's because I'm a lawyer by training. I know law. So like I could be useful there. So it was almost like it wasn't a completely uh, random decision to go into legal tech, but it did require me to try for things that, that were risky while I had a day job. So, so let's, let's, let's keep going on that to like legal tech now, because this is like, yeah. 
you know, we talk, especially for like, I do in-house counsel work. I've been working as in-house counsel. I've been in my second in-house counsel job and legal tech is like so important when you're like trying to streamline documents and stuff like that. How, like, what, what can you say about legal tech? I guess that like, and obviously like your wall, like your wall career path helps you like being able to talk to attorneys and, and be able to sell them on that stuff. But what can I, I guess the question is what, like, it's so hard because it's like, legal tech is still so new, but like, what do you enjoy like about legal tech so far? Like outside of like your job, like what's so, what's like the, the greatness of it that we're still learning about? I mean, when you think about why people don't like being lawyers, you think about everything you do as a lawyer, like as your day jobs, there's parts that you like, parts you don't like. Unfortunately, a lot of the stuff you don't like is like the grunt work, the, the routine work or, or detail oriented work that you you didn't go to law school for. Now, historically, are you sitting next to me in my office? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny how common that theme is. It's like, like we all, like no matter what job you have, work in the government, you work at a firm in house, like it's, it's the same. And, and that work in the rest of the world has been automated for whatever reason, lawyers want to continue doing it. Maybe it's the billable hour. Maybe it's culture that we, we want to grind it out, but. But for the rest of the world, technology has automated that and has made, you know, created a lot of value because the people working in those industries aren't focused on like, you know, changing the file names and making sure the margins are correct. But in law, for whatever reason, we, we do that. You know, we certainly paralegals do that sometimes, but like, you know, lawyers are doing that too. Like making sure there's no, the commas in the right place, the words in the right place. So, so what technology really offers is the ability to put you at the highest value use. Like, you went to law school, you had this legal experience and you had this judgment. You should be using that. You should not be doing like formatting issues on Microsoft Word or, <laughs> or like document reviews, you know, clicking a button that says this document is relevant or not. Like you should be doing some high level, higher level stuff. And I think that the legal world is starting to recognize that a little bit slower than everyone else. But that's why you're seeing the growth because when you rely on technology to do those things, it's also more efficient and it unlocks a lot of value. So I do think that a lot of lawyers, you know, um, are starting to see that. That's why, you know, I, that's why I think our space grew and that's why I'm staying in it because I think that that's where the opportunity is. Speaking of opportunity and speaking of really breaking the mold, man. And I mean, how, how, to be honest with you, how we got orientated to you, right, was through TikTok and through LinkedIn, man, because you're talking about how the legal world is not caught up to that tech side, the legal world is definitely not caught up to the TikTok side of the world, especially, you know, the humor that you got going on and just in general making, to be honest, when you ask me, is it hard to be a lawyer, right? Like I mentor a lot of college and high school kids, you know, sometimes even junior high kids around the area here on Staten Island and Brooklyn. And the number one answer I always tell them is it's not difficult being a lawyer. It's literally not difficult. Going to law school is not hard. Like I mean, everyone like kills me when I say that. I was like, going to med school is hard. You got to learn stuff and you got to memorize and you can kill someone, right? With law school, like you, you, all you have to do is read and put your hard work into it. And at the end of the day, you have to understand something and just make it as simple as possible, right? Because there's all these complicated words. I worked in government. I worked in immigration. Now I'm working with the federal government. Like there's all these complicated scenarios. But if you could just speak to people in simple language and simple words that they understand and all this antiquated nonsense just becomes, Oh, 
you know, here's what legal tech does for me. You know, here's what this law says. Here's what this bill means, you know, and we can move on from there. And it's, you would be so surprised. Like that is the number one most reviewed, most receptive things by clients is, wow, they just explained to me what I needed to know and, you know, didn't speak legalese at me. So, you know, that all that to say is that's exactly what you're doing on TikTok. Like I, like I know there's some, you know, there's humor involved, but I want to know from your side, like what's the reception from the legal community, right? Because I, I, I could definitely see from, you know, the bird's eye view, that's fan- it's, everything's fantastic. When you speak to me, I'm so happy that, you know, I'm able to understand, but then there's a stigma, right? Oh, what'd you learn that from TikTok, right? So, you, <laughs> so there has to be, a, a, you know, some sort of middle ground where you are able to give, you know, real information, real facts, but you want people to still take you seriously, even though you're on, you know, this TikTok app that, you know, you tell, if I, if I go tell my partner from my last firm, Hey, I'm going to, you know, start putting us on TikTok. Like he would fire me. He'd be like, I don't care about your billable hours. I don't care what we've been doing. Like there's no, there's no TikTok going on here. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. I, I think social media is, is one of the most interesting phenomenons that, that's happening right now. And I didn't expect it to build on it, but like when I went into sales, I couldn't like get enough leads. And so I had to figure out from social media, if I could do social selling, I started posting in 2016 on LinkedIn and eventually expanded to TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And what I can say is that the way you balance it is by understanding the context of how all social media fits in. Because if you think about like TikTok and Twitter, that's like hanging out with your boys at the bar, right? That is the vibe. You come in talking about business, like people will laugh at you. They're going to call you a nerd, right? But then you bring it over to LinkedIn mm-hmm. where it's like you're at the uh, the water cooler at work. It's a different energy. So yeah. if there is a way for you to meet lots of people at the bar and make people laugh and just have a good time and you say, hey, let's go check out, you know, like let's let's actually, I, you're a lawyer, you know, let's go talk about some more serious stuff over on LinkedIn. Um all of these platforms are like that. They are all a different medium. And, and I would expand it beyond social media. I would say podcast is a medium, just like a newsletter is a medium. And, and so, you know, I think the, the challenge among lawyers is that they see one thing and they think that's everything. Like they might say, oh, this fool is on TikTok. You know, he's a joker. He's a clown. But what happens is they start looking into you. Oh, this guy on TikTok, like, what's he all about? Let me go look up his name. Um, and then you look them up on, on LinkedIn, you find me on LinkedIn. You're like, Oh, he's at ironclad. What's that? What's that all about? See some of my content is a little bit more serious, a little bit more thoughtful. Um, I've got a newsletter about legal tech. So like there is a content flow to this. And I think that is how you balance it. And, you know, companies do this all the time. You know, it's just people don't haven't, haven't done it as, as much. Um, and so you could see like it's different, different environments require different contexts and that's how you would do it. And that's, that's something I learned just by selling technology. Cause I realized like, for example, when you're, when you're like at a client dinner, you don't want to be selling all the time. You want to talk about, you know, their hobbies, their family, like the things they care about, sports. And then, you know, you throw in a little bit of a nugget, like, oh yeah, by the way, this is what I offer. And then you like let it go. And I think as a salesperson, I learned a lot of these concepts and then I've brought them with me to, to my content creation journey. Uh, well, let me tell you, I watch your TikToks and I crack up, especially when it comes to the, Sales bro and uh, general counsel. It always has me laughing, especially because it's more relatable to my last job. And I'm like, just seeing all the legal issues. I'm like, yes, 1000%. Yes. I just see it. So it's great. 
feels but, like inside jokes between you and it, us. It, yeah, no, it really though, does. Yeah, yeah. The, the inside jokes are are exactly what make it funny. I've done things. I put out videos where I'm like, I put in a lot of effort into it, and it doesn't land because people don't find it relatable. And then I'll put in put together something in 20 seconds, and, and <laughs> people will like love it. It will go viral just because it's relatable. The relatability, like I think, You're is speaking our language, key. man. You're speaking yeah. our language, man. We're, we work on like these crazy guys, like these crazy episodes, and like all of a sudden, everyone's all over one of our shorts. So yeah. I, I, yeah. I feel you, man. I feel you. It's it's the content creator's journey. Like I feel like there's a lot there, and you know, for me, I, I think that um, there's a lot of material to work with in the legal industry. There's a lot of BS and a lot of ridiculousness that happens in our world. And by, by making fun of it, um, it brings people together. It's kind of I crazy. love that. I love that. So what you, okay. So we talked about so much bad, man. We talked about, uh, you know, what's, what's things about our jobs right now, like your previous jobs. We talked about, you know, the, the perils of social media and getting through and kind of working through them. But you know, for the people and for us, honestly, like, what's your favorite part? Like, you can't tell me being a salesman, like you love being a salesman that much. I'm, I'm not buying that. Right. So tell me, tell me what you love about, you know, your transition to being a lawyer, even as a content creator. You know, if you're, if, you know, we don't really want to talk about the tech side. Like, what do you enjoy? What gets you up in the morning? Because I know for us, we love this. And because we have other things going on, it, it's not an issue. We kind of even honest to God, man, even through tragedy, Right through through good time when something great happens, when something horrible happens in our life or with sports, the first thing we want to do is come right here and talk about and just talk about the Knicks or make a podcast or make an episode about anything because it really does get us just into into a happy place, but also into a different realm. So if that that that's our happy place. That's why we're here. So I, mm-hmm. I kind of want to know from you, like, what do you enjoy? Like, what what makes you you know do a TikTok and like think about it? And obviously, you're writing, right? You're not you're not making that all up on, on the spot. So right. you know, what's your motivator? I've always been fascinated by what moves people. I think that is the the most important thing to me. That's why I went to law school. I thought I was going to be a trial lawyer and persuade people and juries and judges. <laughs> that didn't end up happening. Um, I found my place in tech where I was instead persuading and, and trying to figure out what moves people like uh, lawyers to buy technology. It was very narrow, right? But over time, I think the problem, the thing that I love most is the ability to like create something that changes someone's mind. Like I, I think, um, and, and that can be used obviously in, in very negative ways, but it can also be used in very positive ways. So, so I think that for me, making people laugh, I think allows you to, send out some pretty important messages. Like every single one of my videos that make fun of the legal profession, there's an underlying message to it. Um, and most people I think get it. They're like, you know, there is a lot that we can do to change our profession and, and the industry. Um, and that's what motivates me. I think spreading that message and seeing how it impacts people because it's not the, like the content is only a small part of this entire experience. Like I put out a funny video, it goes viral. <laughs> It is the comments in the community that comes together below it. Yes, yes. That is the coolest part. Uh, yeah, um, we agree. We agree completely. I, 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 I got to say, you, you all probably can really relate to this because it's, uh, it's exactly what, what this is, this all is, right? And, and I think, um, that to me is what gets me up. I think that is closer to what, what I always wanted to do, not necessarily sit in the office, like, and write things down and research cases, but, but really engage with the community and, and see if I can, can make things better for everyone. All right. So last question, Alex, because we know we got to get you out of here. Um, now you say that you're using your social media platform 
with your current job as head of community development at Ironclad. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little more about that. Just like, how is that like, a, how is that day to day going? Because that is so interesting and so fascinating to see how two year worlds are legitimately coming together. Yeah. I mean, I started off by trying to figure out how to leverage community and social media to like get myself sales. Now I'm trying to help figure out how to do it for a company. Um, and you know, you know, Ironclad creates is a digital contracting platform. So it helps like corporate legal departments generate contracts faster. So we are always trying to promote ourselves to that group. How do you cut through? There's actually a lot of companies that are trying to do that, you know, and, and you know, if you can imagine law firms try to do the same thing, they're, 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 uh, there's rainmakers that are trying to always get more clients. And so everyone's trying to figure out this problem for me, because I built it for myself. I have some insights into how to do it for a company. And, you know, that involves not just stuff on social media. There's a lot more. There's like events, there's community forums. There's like a lot of very similar to buy what you're doing. Um, this is increasingly important in the business world. I feel like in the past, it's all been like a hobby for fun. But if you can capture that attention and, and create community, and that's just so valuable in the business world. And I think that legal tech companies are starting to see it. I wouldn't be surprised if law firms and, and other uh, more conservative companies will start seeing it too. So, so that's what I'm working on. And I feel like, um, I, I love what I do and, and I'm very, I feel very lucky, especially since I had some bad experiences earlier on in my career, not having the right job. So, so I encourage anybody else who's listening to this to like, you know, take some risks and, and try different things because you never know what's going to happen. Take some risk and try different things. I love that. I think that's a great way to end it. Isn't that right, Mr. Rain Maker Malika? <laughs> Yo, he said Rain Maker, Rain Maker Malika. That's my nickname. I was definitely hyped about that. <laughs> um, but last, 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 last question. Just this is this is a basketball podcast. The Knicks aren't in it. You did mention the Knicks and the Warriors. Are are you hyped about the Warriors? Do you have, do you have a favorite in in this NBA championship, or are you just sort of casually watching it until we get to the end here? I think I'm, I'm very bullish on the, on the Warriors. I think that Steph Curry is very special. He puts, you know, he, he makes the players around him better than him. And I've seen a lot of memes about KD lately, um, related to that. I don't know if y'all seen that, but, but I might get sweat, man. The the memes always have a truth behind the jokes always have a truth behind them. And I think that's what we're seeing. And I think that I I would, you know, I I don't know. There's a lot of great contenders, but I'm, I'm, I think the Warriors are going to do pretty well. All right. Alex, on that note, please let us, please let our listeners know where they can find you. And, and thank you for coming on and just giving us like your knowledge, your career path, your, your Knicks takes and your NBA takes. Really appreciative of it. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on all social media platforms. I'm, I'm most active on LinkedIn, uh, Alex Sue. Uh, you can also find me as Legal Tech Bro on TikTok. Uh, I've got a Twitter, a Twitter account and an Instagram account that are less active, but, um, it's, Hey, it's Alex Sue. But yeah, once you find me on one of these platforms, I connect to the others. So yeah, just find me where wherever you, you you're most active. Awesome. Thank you, Alex, for 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 your time and for giving us all this knowledge. And everyone out there who's listening, you know what to do. All right. If you listen to this podcast and you haven't subscribed already, please make sure to do so. We're on all listening platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. If you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to give us a five-star rating. And if you listen to to us on Apple, please make sure to leave a comment. We're also on YouTube, Knicks, Jets, etc. Make sure to find the page, subscribe to it, hit that notification bell. That way you know when a new episode drops. When you watch a video, leave a comment, hit the like button. It's just a polite thing to do. Add to the conversation. We want to know your thoughts on this one. So make sure to do so. And while you're over there, make sure to check out Winning Picks Weekly. You need a place to bet in any sport, no matter what. 
John, video producer Greg, Chip Murphy, these guys got you. And then last and certainly not least, we're on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, we're there. Thank you once again to Alex Sue for coming on and giving us his stuff. We'll catch you later, Knicks fans. We out. Let's go next.